1: What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, and we are brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. Today, very special episode of Paint Points. We are back with our first edition of a post-game Paint Points. It's uh, coming straight after the game. Memphis defeating Minnesota 107-105, to the first preseason game of the year. It It was a sloppy game. It was a... A uh, strange kind of game. Everyone looked like they hadn't played in nine months, which makes sense. But we're, we're finally back with some basketball, some actual real-life basketball to analyze. Um, we'll go through some quick hitters today and just kind of run through what we saw in the game, what we liked, what we didn't like, um, all that good stuff. Joining me today is a man who, who doesn't sleep. He It's it's late for him over there. It's Candice Hooper's contributor, Jack Borman. What's going on, Jack?
0: I'm great, man. It, it was fun to see everybody back out playing tonight. Um, obviously, you know, 277 days, um, since the Timberwolves last took the floor, um, is just kind of crazy to conceptualize and think about it. And like you said, um, it was certainly a game in which it, it looked like, uh, guys hadn't played in, in close to nine months. Um, so, so yeah, it, 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 it was sloppy, but, but it was, it was a ton of fun to, to be able to watch them, watch them play. And, um, And just see different guys kind of in different roles, and uh, and just a bunch of experimenting on the floor.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I had a lot of fun watching that tonight. Obviously, the result didn't go Minnesota's way, but I think in general we're not going to focus too much on the result. Um, It's obviously the first game of preseason. I don't think it matters too much, and I think that as you said, with all the experimenting that went on, it's it's kind of hard to to put a lot of stock into into a lot of things. So um, we're just going to. Give a quick overview. Um, I want to start off with the lineups. If you if you didn't if you weren't following Jack along on Twitter, he had a lineup tracker in a spreadsheet that he was doing throughout the game. Um, we're gonna kind of go over a, thing, a few things with that to start off with. I think that that lineups in general have been the the flavor of the month um, to do with the Timberwolves. It's it's what everyone's been interested to see, how it would work out with the additions of Ricky Rubio, with Anthony Edwards coming in as the first overall pick, and guys like Ed Davis and, and Jake Lehman and, and Juan Johan and Gomez all kind of seeing where they're going to slot in. So what what interested, interested, oh, interested you the most, Jack, and what did you kind of uh, take away with lineups um, more than anything tonight? So...
0: The first thing that, that I took away was that we only got three minutes of Ricky Rubio and D'Angelo Russell playing together. Um, so those two shared the floor for three minutes and nine seconds, uh, the, the final three minutes and nine seconds of, of the first quarter. Um, and, and that lineup was a minus four. Um, and, and something that, that I noticed right away with that lineup was exactly how they used D'Angelo Russell. So the, the first play they had, on a, on a, drag flare screen. Um, and he looked to attack the rim and, and was kind of wild and out of control a little bit um, and almost turned the ball over twice, trying to get downhill to the rim. And again, just looked like a guy who hadn't played in, in nine months. Um, and then the other two times or the, the second and third uh, of the first three possessions that they had in half court were, were both handoff actions um, that, that, you know, Russell either looked to shoot right off the handoff uh, with, and he made one of those threes, um, and then the other one he kind of turned the corner and tried to get downhill going to the rim. Um, so that was the first thing that I noticed that those those two only played for, for three minutes together. And then um, the other one was that we didn't see Josh Okogie play the four at all. Um, so we, we heard that Ryan Saunders uh, last Saturday in a in a media availability said that the Josh his effective height is six foot eight, and that that would allow him to play some four. Um, and in his post game press conference tonight, Ryan Saunders said that the biggest thing they were looking for with with all the lineups that they played tonight was spacing. How how well spaced were uh, were all the lineups that were out there? And he he mentioned too that uh, there there were some a checklist kind of that that he wanted to see out of every single lineup. And he said he checked most of those boxes tonight. So I think the thinking there was kind of interesting that uh, you know he kind of. Mentioned Josh as a potential four guy, but that in in my lineups based on who else was on the floor, I didn't see him really playing much of the four at all. Um, no, no. So, so those were kind of the two things that stuck out to me right away. What what, what were uh, some of your thoughts?
1: Yeah, the same kind of things. I think that uh, in general, the the non D'Lo Rubio minutes where it was just Rubio on the floor. Uh, I think most of the time it was with Malik Beasley and and Anthony Edwards or Josh Okogie at the three. Um, they they perform pretty well. I think by by your measurements, uh, the the Rubio Malik, Atodi Layman Towns lineup was a plus four in in about three and a, three and a half minutes, just under three and a half minutes, and then the Rubio Beasley Edwards Hernan Gomez Towns uh, lineup was a plus three in, in just under two minutes, which obviously is a minuscule sample size, but I right. think that it stood out to me straight away that Rubio was able to 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 get rebounds, push the pace. I think Malik Beasley is is just as good a fit alongside Rubio as Russell is, if not better, just because Beasley loves to get out in transition, loves to to space to the corners in those kind of semi fast break opportunities, and then you know you've got you've got a Cody Edwards there as well who who are similar, like to get out in transition, and I think in general what's different to the to that one lineup you discussed with uh, with Rubio and Russell is that Anthony any is on the floor. And even Towns at, at his rustiness than he was tonight, and he really couldn't couldn't buy a three point shot. But I think you can see just how much Towns changes the the dynamic of the offense. Obviously, he he is the best offensive player on the on the team. And I, I think when Rubio was with Russell, uh, sorry, when Rubio was with Towns, uh, you could definitely say that that offense was was clicking really well. And I think that Towns also defended better in the pick and roll. Just just. From a just from being next to to Rubio and having a guy who can really fight more at the point of attack, and yeah. And the, the...
0: the one the one other thing I just wanted to mention, jumping in, was was that when Russell and, and Rubio played together, Towns was not on the floor. Uh, they yeah. were they were joined by Anthony Edwards, Juancho Aaron and Gomez, and Ed Davis, which I thought was a little surprising that we didn't get to see the three of those guys all playing together. Uh, but then but then when you said about about Rubio and Towns. All of the lineups that Rubio and Towns played played uh, together in tonight were either a, a, a neutral, so a, a net gain of zero, or they were positive. So the three lineups, respectively, were plus zero, plus four, and plus three. Uh, which I think, which I think is is huge that that all those lineups are positive.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I don't think that I think sometimes single game plus minus, especially in a sample size that's you know lineup by lineup. Can be uh a bit tricky at times. It can be a bit misleading, but I think that matches the eye test. Just because Rubio seemed to play well with Towns, and not even the fact that they were necessarily synergistic together, and and kind of you know running pick and roll and and, and getting buckets for each other, more that just the whole offense seemed to run better with them two on the floor and then the defense, Towns' defense is, is slightly enhanced and, and I thought Towns was, was respectable tonight defensively. Uh, I don't think he, he was amazing and I don't think he, he, we can expect him to be amazing, but I thought that he definitely grew into the game, especially as a rim protector, but, um, we'll get into that a bit in a minute. The other, the other thing that I, that I thought stood out in the lineups in both the plus minus and just watching the game was that the, the quote unquote starting lineup, which which we know isn't set in stone, but the the Russell Beasley Okodi Lehman, Towns lineup was was a plus one in in the first stint they had, which was just uh, four and a half minutes, and then they were a plus four in the second stint that they had, was which, which was just coming out of the halftime break, and that was another four and a half minutes, actually the exact same time, four minutes and thirty two seconds. So I think that um. That seemed to to work really well, and that's obviously one of the biggest keys, keys is you want the the starting lineup to to get you off to a good start both at the start of the game and coming out of the half time break and I think that that lineup really complemented each other pretty well and the the addition of a at the three to give you some defensive presence he guarded the point of attack a lot of the times he he took Morant who obviously jar was was on fire tonight and was really good but I think that Atody didn't really do. A whole lot wrong defensively, and I think that helps Towns and it helps, you know, hiding Russell off the ball. And then Layman, who who will dive into a little bit more, but he um, he was excellent tonight, Layman. And I think any minutes that he had next to Towns uh, and next to Russell were were plus. So yeah, that, that that's the other thing that I kind of gleaned from from just a lineup perspective is that, is the starting lineup really performed fairly admirably tonight.
0: Yeah, I, I i was I was impressed with what I saw. Um, I think Josh Okogi played out of control a little bit at times, and and kind of was was looking was kind of driving to pass too much. And when a you've bit.
1: got when you've got as much energy as as jo I think that nine months off kind of all came out in the in the wrong way at times. It's just like he exploded onto the court, and, and I think <laughs> um, that can be a problem for him when he you know he's on a back to back, let alone a, a nine month stint. So. I think we he'll get that a little bit more under control. But, yeah, Josh was definitely um, a, a burst of energy tonight, and sometimes not in a good way.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And then the other thing I wanted to point out just about the starters overall was that Jake Lehman was fantastic. Um, I, oh, I think so that good. Jake Lehman was uh, was phenomenal rotating on the backside. Um, when Towns was was faced with, you know, uh, a big guy like Valanchunas in the mid post or got switched out onto a, a, a guard or a wing on, on uh, kind of the wing where the, where the corner turns into the wing. Um, and it was very evident to me that, that they had cat shading everything to the baseline and then had layman helping on the baseline. Uh, which I think is a, which I think is a really good pivot from, from David Vanterpool, considering how much the wolves let, uh, let ball handlers get into the middle of the lane especially from the sides and the corners of the floor uh, on offense so I, I think by doing that you open yourself up a little bit more to, to kind of the open corner threes on the back side if you don't rotate over correctly and I think you know some of those rotations were a little bit late tonight um, and obviously you know that comes with only having a few days to practice um, and, and some guys not really being able to practice much at all because of the COVID protocols and getting back into town and whatnot so uh, so that's kind of my initial takeaway from, from the starting five, but, but I mean, there was a lot of good, you know, good offense from the starting five in terms of, you know, really being spaced out well and opening up driving lanes. I think we saw that in the first couple of possessions where Cat had his two and ones, um, you know, he kind of caught the ball, um, and drove to the rim right away and was able to, to get two and ones just because the offense was so well spaced. And I think that, cat's going to be able to do that. Um, uh, you know, almost as much as he wants to, uh, if, if the offense is going to be able to be spaced out that nicely. Um, yeah. And the one thing he's got to be a little careful of is that he doesn't, is that he doesn't get called for charges. Uh, cause I think that, that, that tendency could be there and, and he just can't really afford to, to pick up offensive fouls considering how aggressive he's going to be on defense and how foul prone he is on defense. Um, so I think it's good. This year is going to be a really unique opportunity for Cat to to create plays for himself and others off the dribble in a more space out offense.
1: Yeah, and just on that offensive steam, I think that tonight we saw a little bit of a pivot away from from the mantra that they they ingrained last season, um, which was obviously shooting a lot of threes and trying to get to the rim as much as possible and pretty much eliminating the mid range. I think they shot 15 mid-range shots tonight. I believe they hit four of them. Uh, so it, it wasn't really good for mid-range, but that, that's that's definitely not what we've seen in the past. I think they only shot over 10 mid-range shots maybe, I think it was 16 times last season in, in 64 games. Uh, don't, don't quote me on that, but I think that's the stat that I, I just saw before. Um, I think that's maybe a little bit of an aberration. I think that uh, in general... They don't want to shoot that many mid-range shots, but it is good to get uh, D'Angelo Russell shooting mid-range shots. I think it's very important for him his game to let him uh, work in the mid-range, at least for a couple of possessions a game. We saw tonight he hit two or three pull-up mid-range jumpers coming off a, uh, off a town screen, and that really uh, makes the defense have another thing to think about. It, they can't really just zone off on the towns in that pick and pop. They can't. Uh, direct all the attention to to the shooters. They have to they have to suck in a little bit a, a, and try and stop Russell, and that opens up everything else. It opens up shots for towns. It opens up rolling lanes for towns. It opens up space for the shooters like Beasley and and Layman or Hernan Gomez or whoever's out on the floor with them. So I think shooting mid range shots shouldn't be treated as as a sin, but it also probably needs to be cleaned up a little bit tonight, and maybe just a few better-looking shots. I think there was one with with Towns where where he rolled and then pulled up for a mid-range shot, and I know and I know you know we both know that Carl Anthony Towns can can hit any shot really when he's when he's playing well, but I think that was kind of another example of a bit of sloppiness and a bit of not knowing each other's games too well between him and Russell, where in in reality you probably want. Towns to be spotting up outside the three-point line for that or to be taking two dribbles after he gets that that, uh, that pocket pass and and go into the rim. But I think, in general, the, the overwhelming uh, note for this game is that that it looked disjointed. It, it did look disjointed. It looked sloppy. It looked like guys who hadn't played for nine months. And then, on top of that, guys who haven't played together even before that nine months. So, um, was there anything you saw with with the offense that, that kind of... Paid your interest? Yeah,
0: kind of going off that. So I, I sat in on the media availability with uh, Ryan Saunders, D'Angelo Russell, Jalen Noel, and Ricky Rubio tonight. Um, and and Marnie Gellner had the first question, and and um, and she asked, you know, she asked about the mid-range shots, and and Saunders kind of chuckled and said, you know, he, he said that a good number of them were quote settles is what he said, um, and yeah. then he said quote it's something we'll clean up. And that was the same phrase that you used, I think. Um, and, you know, I think it's interesting because I, I was – like the in the first quarter, I saw that, you know, Dana tweeting something saying about, you know, how the Wolves were shooting more mid-range shots. And in the first quarter, I thought that with the exception of one fadeaway – or excuse me, two fadeaways that Ricky Rubio and, and Lo had, I thought that the mid-range shots that they were taking were good shots. You know, D'Lo, Yeah. D'Lo hit a couple good in rhythm mid-range shots that I have no issue with. And then Anthony Edwards, uh, the mid-range shot that he hit in the second quarter coming around his screen, uh, you know, into a two-dribble pull-up that was was wide open. Uh, You can say, too, that you'd rather see him attack the rim, and and that's fine. But, you know, he's a rookie, and if he feels comfortable shooting that shot and that's what he needs to do to kind of get in a rhythm, you know, then I'm all for those guys taking those shots. Um, And and Jalen Noel had a couple – a couple good pull-ups in the mid-range late in the game as well. Um, so, you know, for me, I think that the Timberwolves need to just take take good open shots if, if they're there. Um, I understand that that they have a philosophy. They want to play um, inside out, and they want to, you know, shoot a lot of threes and get to the rim and get to the free-throw line. And they did those things well tonight. They shot 37% from three on 35 attempts, um, and I think they went to the rim 32 times and and made 24 free throws so so they were good in that department i just think that you know at the end of the day um you know they didn't score quite as much just because you know the main guys didn't play as much and yeah and
1: the turnovers killed them the turnovers were really the the one thing they're
0: lucky they didn't lose by more to be honest with you because (laughs) minnesota had 22 turnovers but memphis only had eight points off of those 22 turnovers and then conversely memphis only had 15 turnovers but minnesota had 24 points off of those turnovers so um you know minnesota's lucky that they they shot as well as they did from deep and got to the free throw line um otherwise this would have been ugly um just because memphis had 30 assists on 40 field goals and minnesota only had 17 on on 34 midfield goals so um so yeah i mean i I think a lot of it too just has to do with the fact that these guys haven't played much together at all
1: um yeah, and, and, and the Memphis team is, at, and the Memphis team has played together, like it's outside exactly of maybe, outside yeah, of like, like maybe Desmond Desmond, yeah, Desmond Bain, and then obviously the guys that come in at, at the end, which are kind of throwaway minutes anyway. But that that's pretty much the same team as last year, who obviously were really good and exceeded expectations last season. So I think it's it's pretty much what I expected tonight. I expected Memphis to win. Uh, I expected Minnesota to have. Serious growing pains, and then also times where you could where you could glimpse what this offense is going to be, and, and if the defense is going to be horrible or just bad or mediocre. Um, wh- what did you think about the defense? I actually I actually didn't think the defense was was horrible in this game. Obviously, they still ran the drop coverage. Um, I know there was some questions whether they would they would try and change things up a little bit there, but they they maintained with the same drop coverage in pit and roll as they ran last season. I think as you noted a little bit earlier um, they really tried to help give Towns more help um, with the guys coming in from the corners you, you noted Lehman I think Vanderbilt did did it as well at one stage I think that uh, Hernan Gomez was trying as well and I think that did give up some open corner threes which are not shots that you want to give up but in general I think that the defense held up fairly well um, considering that, that it's a defense that we don't expect to be good at all so yeah, um, and, and did, the other did, thing, too,
0: is that Cat looked like a much better rim protector because of the way that they were playing defense. I think he yeah. got a little aggressive, and, and John ja Morant was just destroying the Wolves' defense, getting into the paint, um, specifically in the, in the second quarter. Um, but but outside of that, um, you know, Cat did a really, really good job of defending on the interior and altering shots without fouling and forcing guys to the opposite side of the rim uh, where he had help with Jake Lehman and I think if the wolves are going to be able to do that and cats going to be able to be more of a force on the interior, um, you know, that, that bodes really, really well for, for the long-term development of this defense. Uh, and, and I think that obviously, again, it's going to take time and it's going to, they're going to need to gel. Um, uh, but being able to get thrown into the fire and play, you know, Memphis team that some that's bringing back almost exactly the same team plus Desmond Bain and minus, um, Brandon Clark in the preseason and then Jaron Jackson for the first, you know, few weeks of the season, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. And, and it's going to be trial by fire for them. So, but, but overall, you know, I really liked the adjustments that they made on defense uh, in that, you know, right away, I, they didn't, they didn't have a drop coverage that I saw until about midway through the first quarter.
1: Uh, cat. Yeah, they and they run a lot of two-three zone as well. Like they just they mixed in a bit of 2-3 two, two, zone throughout the game as well. Which, so it was which kind I of was like, great. Yeah, and we've discussed this throughout the whole off season that we think showing zone for for times during the game is a great idea, and then it it junks up the game, and that it kind of throws a different look at the at the offense. And I think when you're a team who who can't defend very well in general? uh, throwing different looks at a team and and not letting them settle into into the one scheme that you're running and and being really dogmatic with it is is good process.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I think too, you know, w- with DLO with specifically, um, Cat also called out an ice a couple times. Uh shout yeah. out, shout out Tibbs. Um, <laughs> but but I think that's important. That that it's very clear to me that that so in Portland, what what Vanterpool did was he funneled everything into the middle of the paint, into Yusuf
1: Nurkic, um, and and that's when Towns can be good. When 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 players are funneled into him, that's when he doesn't have to think too much. He doesn't have to make these these really complex splits splits decisions. You know, split second decisions. And he can just focus on on getting a hand up, trying to block a shot, or or just you know staying solid rather than trying to like play between two guys in pick and roll. Like if you can get guys who can funnel uh, their opposition into towns, that that makes his life so much simpler, and and therefore enhances the Wolves' defense in general.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a difference between funneling guys into the middle and. Ja Morant just coming around the screen, getting downhill and forcing Cat to kind of do that in between, kind of being that in between position where he's got to choose between Ja or the big. Um, yeah. And, and that and was a tough position to and, be that, in. and that was where the Wolves kind of got killed defensively uh, tonight. But but I think that, that what I, the point that I was going to make is that I wonder if Vanterpool is kind of thinking of doing the exact opposite of trying to get everything away from the middle of the floor enforce everything baseline and utilize the Wolves extreme length that they have in their starting five. I mean, their starting five. Everybody's wingspan is, is at least six foot eight or six foot nine. Um, and the only person who I think has a wingspan, you know, shorter than six 10 is, uh, is Malik Beasley. But with his activity and his lateral quickness, you know, I think that the Wolves are going to, make life really tough for teams if they want to try and go baseline and I think that's what the Wolves tried to make Memphis do tonight and and it worked really really well with the exception of Ja getting into the paint so uh,
1: yeah and ja, and ja was just on one tonight as well like, yeah he was and, you know, at times you, you just gotta tip your hat to to great offensive players and and, and you you obviously want to do a better job on Morant but I think there was times tonight where I thought the defense was, was fairly good and the offense was just much better. I mean, they, they finished with a 100 uh, defensive rating, so it definitely wasn't... Like, that's good by, by all standards, but but hard to decipher in a preseason game where 15 players play on each team. But in general, I think they'd be pretty happy with a with 100 defensive rating. I mean... Jake Clayman had a 26.3 net rating. Um, I think he was, was by far the best defender. We've already discussed the help defense. I think he was, he was quite good when he was, in a, in the few occasions that he was put on the ball. And then I think he was really good in transition. I think he had one or two steals in transition where pretty much, uh, the, the bucket looked like a surefire thing for, for Memphis. So, uh, in general, I, I think Clayman was probably the best player on the court tonight, maybe apart from, from Jalen Noel, but, um, in general i was pretty happy with the defense
0: yeah for sure um uh, do you want to get into do you want to get into a little bit of the the individual players and and how they perform?
1: yeah yeah so um the the first one i wanted to talk about is kind of as a as a duo is, is Carl Anthony townsend and russell obviously they're the the franchise centerpieces and and we haven't seen them we've only seen the one game it's it's been discussed to death during this offseason, but this was our first chance to see a little bit of them two together. Um, how, do you, how do you think they fared together? Obviously, we, we, we didn't get a huge sample size, but what were your initial thoughts?
0: Um, I wasn't that impressed, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that I expected those two to uh, really kind of know where each other would be on the floor a little bit better than, than they did tonight. Um, I think I count I, you could count on your hand uh, how many pick and rolls those two went, uh, how many pick and rolls those two ran tonight. Uh, and because of that, I, I, just don't think that, that the offense did as, as much as they could. And Ryan Saunders seemed a little bit frustrated with the way the offense played tonight, uh, kind of about the starters. He said that he thought they ran some good action and, um, and they had good activity and good spacing. But I think that ultimately those two players need to be more involved with one another. If they're going to be successful, um, I thought that D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley played very, very well together and showed a lot of chemistry and synergy on that, on that end. Um, And that Josh Akogi, you know, made some good decisions when he drove and was looking to pass. Um, But, but I really need to see more from Kat and D'Lo just from a volume perspective, because the output isn't going to be there if you're not putting enough into it. Uh, And so whether that be, you know, more pick and roll action um, or more kind of, you know, getting the ball to Cat in in the corner and, or excuse me, getting the ball to Cat in the post and then you know setting setting a screen for for Delo to get open on, on the perimeter. Um, there just needs to be more uh, interaction between those two on offense if the Timberwolves are going to want to want to play better and 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 out you know like you were talking about on our last podcast, just really come out and hit teams in the mouth and, and get out to an early lead as opposed to to being forced to play from behind.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that. It's it's early and we expect better, but I I don't think they were they were really on the same page as much as we expected them to be, and and obviously they haven't played together, but they are they are you know really good friends and they and they speak a lot. and D'Angelo Russell's talked about how how much he watched film on Towns this year to see where see where he wanted the ball and 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 kind of pick apart the film and, and try and really get to know Towns without being on the court with him. Um, but I think the the one thing that stood out to me is, like you said, not not a lot of pick and rolls. And then in the pick and pop, I think that there was at least two or three where where Russell was just that second or two slow to get the ball to Towns in the pick and pop. And and Towns, as we know, only needs a, a sliver of space to get up a three. And I think that there was yeah maybe two or three times where Town uh, Russell came around the pick and got trapped and by the time he got trapped, you know, the, the defense had rotated, the defensive shell had kind of uh, got itself back in shape and, and Towns was, wasn't was open anymore. He still got the ball but it wasn't a pass to a shot, it was more just a pass to get the ball kicking around the perimeter and and that's something that any player, I think any point guard that, need, that plays with Towns needs to realize that if you come off that screen and two guys come with you, you need to, you need to be able to hit Carlton Towns immediately because that's, that's open shots. That's your best three point shooter. That's, you know, one of the best three point shooters in the league. And you need to, to get him as many shots as possible. And then I think that, yeah, I think in general, they, they didn't run a lot of just action at all. I don't, I don't think they ran one Towns post up for the entire game, which I found yep. surprising. Um, I, I would have liked to see them run that. And, and like you said, maybe run Lo off some screens, off ball and, and and draw the defense in with, with with the threat of Towns scoring a one on one post opportunity. Maybe that was just easing things back into it. Maybe it was because of Alan Tunis who who's you know a, a very strong dude. Maybe not an elite defender, but but a hard guy to move, especially um, with Towns coming back and not having played for so long. But yeah, in general, I think that it wasn't the most encouraging performance from those two. But I think there were some, still some some times where you could see that obviously just with the firepower both of those guys have they're still able to make an impact i think when they were both in the court minnesota played fairly well um but together uh, as a as a duo it, it wasn't their best showing i don't think
0: yeah no i think i think too that that you know those two just really need to focus on knowing where each other are at all times um yeah. and, it, and if they can do that and that I should come and be, that should come Oh, I'm not worried that it's not going to come. I I just think that yeah. if if it's not there right now, then there needs to be more offense centered around getting those two involved. You know what I mean? Like more right. set pieces right. yeah. or or call outs for
1: for even just direct simple things, roles, like, things like that. like yeah, like handoff action, like I don't you know, we I don't think we saw enough handoff action with Towns and Russell. Uh just just any action that allows both of those players to touch the ball in in you know, the space of 10 seconds like they're both dynamic enough where they can get things going, even in a broken play sort of opportunity. But those broken plays need to need to involve both of those guys touching the ball or both of those guys, you know, moving off the ball and looking for each other and, like you said, knowing where each other want the ball. So I agree. I think it'll come. But in, in this season, in the, the weird world that we live in, it's they don't have much time for it to come together. So if they want to come out and win games, uh, they, they probably need to get this sorted within the next week or two. Um, because we, you, they can't afford to have Townsend Russell out of sync to start the season, because that's that's the Great White Hope right there. Is is those two?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, uh, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was going to say if we if you want to move on, if you want to say you know if you have anything else to say on Cat and D'Lo, I know we're kind of just going to power through a few of these, and it is it is the quick hitters, so we don't want to spend too much time on it.
0: Yeah, no, um, I, I've, I'm pretty much good on, on Cat and Thiel. The one thing I wanted to touch on is is I know it can kind of be ridiculous at times to look at single-game net rating averages, but um, I thought it was really interesting that, that uh, Cat had a defensive rating of 96 tonight, which is really good. Anything below 100 is excellent. Uh, most Timberwolves yeah. for the season last year were in the 110 to 120 range, if that gives you any indication, um, and that's pretty bad. Uh, but Josh Kogi 79.5, Jake Lehman, 80, 85, essentially cat 96. And then D'Lo was was by far the worst of any of the five starters clocking in at 126. So I think that uh, obviously part of it is playing John Morant, but two, I think the Timberwolves need to do more to to try and help D'Angelo Russell. Um, and I don't know if that means potentially moving Josh Kogi down to guard ones if we're confident that Jake Lehman is going to be able to, to be a really good backside rotational defender or maybe not a really good one but just like a solid one um so those are kind of the 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 last remaining thoughts that i have about those two but you ready Showtime
1: on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy what are you doing later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall
0: Guy. That's what the poster said.
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy.
0: Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read PG 13.
1: Yeah, and just on that note, I think that Russell was really bad off the ball tonight, which we've kind of come to expect, but he. He does definitely zone off when when he's not on the ball. I actually think that he's not a terrible terrible on ball defender when he's Slice. yeah when he's locked in and he can and he can fight like he's not he's quite not weak but you know not not a strong and barely small guard. But when when he doesn't have to fight through screens all game, he can stay with his man. But it's off the ball that worries me. I think there was a few back cuts or just you know dives to the rim tonight where he was. Directly responsible and kind of just um, in his own world, and and that's something that it's hard it's hard to to cover that. Like if one guy falls asleep off the ball, it's kind of hard to predict that. If everyone's doing their job, you can you can predict where the where the rotations need to be and where the holes are going to be in the defense, and you can get guys to move into those holes. But but when when one guy kind of just completely collapses your whole defense, it, it's tough to stop. And I think that would have been one of the reasons why his defensive rating was so much lower than than pretty much everyone in the starting five and, and most guys on the team. Uh, and it's it's something that I think we'll probably have to come to expect because it's been something that Russell's been doing for his entire career.
0: Yeah. And and it just I think it all just comes down to how hard he's gonna compete. And yeah. if if Vanterpool can get him to compete, I think the Wolves are going to be pretty good. And it and if he plays like he did tonight on defense, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for the Wolves to win games.
1: Yeah. Um. So moving on, obviously, the, there there's a few guys debuting tonight or returning that, that were the talk of the town. We'll start with the number one pick, Anthony Edwards. I think, obviously, a tough shooting night for him. I, I think, at times, he looked a little bit overawed by the situation. Um. I, he flashed some nice things. I think he probably should have had two or three more assists. I think he made some really nice reads, actually. And then, obviously, the pull-up three... Uh, for his first bucket, and then the pull-up mid-range that you spoke about before for his second bucket, he he was two of nine from the field after that, one of five from three, uh, four rebounds, one assist, five fouls, um, which I kind of didn't even notice till I looked at the box score that, that he picked up five <laughs> fouls. But um, what what do you think of Edwards, and, and do you think you can even read too much into it? You know, being that it's twenty-five minutes of his first preseason game ever.
0: You know, I, I'm not going to read into it too much. Um, in the article that I wrote today um, before the game about what I was watching for, one of the things that I noted that I was going to be looking for was um, was how is he going to be used on offense. Um, and I think yeah. that there was a lot of Anthony Edwards standing around and being delegated to the corner um, rather than him being on the ball. And I think that we saw tonight what can happen when you put Anthony Edwards on the ball. It's It's clearly where he's most comfortable offensively. Um, I think he had a much more aggressive mindset and wanted to score when he had the ball in his hands for that, for that period of time in the second quarter where, um, uh, they made an effort to, to kind of have him initiate some pick and roll. And that's where he had all five of his points. Um, like yeah. you said, he had to pull up three and then he had the really nice, uh, kind of pump fake and into a two or three dribble pull up from about the free throw line, um, which was cash. So I, I think if, if you're able to get get something like that going, where where you can get the ball to him and have him play in his spots, I think that's going to be really important. Um, but I also thought it was interesting that I don't think Edwards did Edwards play tonight with with Cat and in, in DLO much. Um, uh, I, I don't. don't think I think so. he did. I think I he, think was he mainly- did for like two for like two minutes.
1: Yeah, yeah so I for, think he played with Towns for a little bit, but not with, not with both. He mainly played with, like, Beasley and Rubio yeah, or so he uh, played, Beasley, you he know, played with Culver.
0: So he played with Cat and D'Lo for roughly five minutes. Um, yeah, for roughly five minutes, and they were minus 10. And so I, I think Edwards is just – I think Edwards was a little timid and didn't really know kind of where to pick his spots on offense until they kind of gave him the ball in the second quarter and asked him to, to initiate pick PNR.
1: Um, and when he was doing that, it was with a, it was with a lineup that didn't have as many scorers on it. You know what I mean? Where he was kind of thrown in. Like I think it, I think it might have been with with D'Angelo Russell on the floor as well. But then Culver Lehman, and Ed Davis. I think it was that lineup in the second where he started to get it going a little bit. And, yeah. and maybe that's maybe that's what he he needs sometimes is is, is to not have too many talks in the kitchen with, with Edwards because it seems like he didn't really know when to pity spots, which. I think it's a good thing. He obviously didn't want to come in and, and shoot 20 shots and take the ball out of Russell and Towns' hands. Um But at times, he needed to be a little bit more aggressive. I think you, you saw him miss a few shots, so I think he might have got blocked at the rim once. And then after that, he, he turned down probably a few driving lanes and tried to, to make the extra pass. And I, I like that mentality, but it didn't work out for him. And in general, he's a scorer. And, and I think the one thing that... I don't like about his game at the moment and isn't really suited to this team, is he He clearly hasn't been a guy who's played off the ball very much in his career. And like you said, a lot of standing around, but, but sometimes, you know, if you don't have the ball, you don't have to stand around, like just moving into open spots around the three-point line, like getting into the passes, line of sight, uh, that's something that I don't think he did very well tonight uh, and just making himself available for catch-and-shoot opportunities or diving to the rim for on, on cuts. Um, he was a very good pat, back cutter at, at Georgia and we didn't see any of that tonight. So, yeah, I, I think there was a lot to work on for, for Edwards, but I also think there was uh, encouraging signs and, and very understandable you know, nerves and a bit cautiousness.
0: Yeah, and, and I think with Edwards, it's it, the whole thing is just going to take time, especially with him playing off the ball. Um, you know, like we've talked about in the past, he, he spent far more time playing on the ball at Georgia than than off. Um, and I think his his coach at Georgia, Tom Crean, said it best. You know, he's got to be in a situation that supports the hell out of him um, and, and does a really good job of teaching him how to play, uh, because all the tools for him to be great are there, and it's just about molding them. Um, to kind of in help, create, yeah, to kind of help create the best possible player, and I think um, the Timberwolves have something to work with uh, in terms of in terms of what we saw tonight. I think far too often he was just standing around in the corner, um, and I was expecting him to to cut more. Um, you know, I wrote this afternoon that I think how much he ran and moved without the ball in his hands is going to be proportional to how much he scored. And he didn't score at all when he didn't have the ball in his hands. Um, yeah, and that sounds stupid, Jack. You need the ball in your hands to put it in the basket. Yeah, I know. But I'm more <laughs> referring to his positioning on the floor. Um, yeah, and, and there weren't sets that were being run for him where he was initiating them. Um, when he
1: didn't, and when there were, and the ball, when they were, started. he looked a little better. Yep,
0: it's as simple as that, really. And so I, I'm interested to see if if they show more of him on the ball on Monday. If they don't play him as much with Cat and Beasley and Rubio, which I think is the right decision, I think playing him with Ricky Rubio and and Jarrett Culver um, is is the kind of the way to go. From yeah, for, to at least to start out and and allow him to get more practice time to work with Cat and D'Lo.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so moving on to uh, one more thing on Edwards that I wanted to point out was I think that. He, he he looked pretty lost on defence as well at times, which we expected. I think he in general is a is quite good on the ball. Kind of like the same thing I said with Russell. I think when he's locked in he's quite good on the ball. He's obviously really strong, really fast laterally, uh, got all the tools to be a great defender on the ball. But but same thing as Russell, lost his man off the ball a few times. Uh that that's to be expected, I think. It's to be expected from any rookie, but especially one that comes in with a with a stereotype around him that he's not a good defender. And that is true. He, he wasn't a good defender at Georgia. So um, yeah, I just wanted to make that note. But that was just another thing I had there for Edwards.
0: Yeah, I, I was just going to just add on to that quick. I think it's just a speed of the game thing. You know, I tweeted I tweeted that yeah, I think yeah. we could see him kind of processing it in real time because of how much slower he was moving. And that's not because he's not an insane athlete, because he is. It's just that you can't move if you don't know where you're going or where you're supposed to be. And yeah. I think you could see the wheels turning in real time. And I think that um, as we see more games of him playing, I think that's going to hopefully become quicker and quicker and quicker.
1: Yeah. And, and I think if you look at quotes from any rookie, that that's the first thing they always point to um, with with respect to the change between college basketball and NBA basketball is that the speed of the game and the physicality are the two things that, that are huge jumps and, and huge transitions to make and it doesn't surprise me that, that the game looked like it was going a little bit too fast for his mind um, tonight and I think that there will be many times during this season where that happens and, and like you noted at the start of this this conversation, it's it's going to be a process with him and I think he's in the right place where he doesn't need to score 20 points a night. He can have a game like tonight and and I don't think that's going to... Lose Minnesota basketball games. I think if he shoots two of nine from the field, uh, you, you can still have an off offense to to win you a game just just through three or four other players. And and one of those players is obviously Ricky Rubio, the other returning player. Um, the f- debut, I guess, if you wanted to say that debut, new found debut. He was very brief appearance. He only played twelve minutes, which I think was to be expected. He's obviously thirty years old and coming off a pretty short preseason but I think I think Rubio was was Rubio he was he was quite good he pushed the pace and, and created easy transition opportunities especially after him himself grabbing the rebound um and and that's Ricky Rubio it's it to, tonight wasn't he's pretty easy to analyze I think tonight because he just did what what Ricky does he he was a little bit sloppy with some of his passes and, and a little bit more turnover-prone than we're used to. I think he had three turnovers and, and two assists. So that's that's not really the Ricky we know. But again, it's it's understandable at this point of the season. Uh, and he scored nine points in 12 minutes. He hit a three coming off, off movement, off a, a dead sprint to the corner. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I just think Rubio, you saw immediately in those 12 minutes... Um, what he brings to this team and, and, and how much he can he really raise the ceiling of this team.
0: Yeah, and the other thing too is that, uh, you know, Ricky Ricky, kind of consistently stressed in his post-game media availability that, that you know, it is going to take time and that there's a lot of guys who are on different timetables in terms of when they've last played, you know, how good of shape they're in, how much they've been with one another and practiced with one another – and that, you know, these types of things aren't going to all come together all at once. Um, and I think that in order to see this te- Wolves team fully maximized, like that's not going to happen in December or January. It's going to happen in, in, in March or April or May. Uh, and so for Ricky, I think it's just about him kind of learning the tendencies of the guys that he's playing with. And that once he's able to do that, I think that you're going to see less of those sloppier passes, and, and he's going to understand kind of the spots that guys like to be in, and, and get the ball to those guys in their spots. Um, and he mentioned that tonight, and he specifically mentioned Jake Layman um, as as a guy he needs to he needs to spend time with and, and learn his learn his tendencies, uh, which is great. And he Ricky made a great pass to Jake for an awesome dump off pass for for a layup. Um, I think it was either in the first or second quarter, but yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I think with Ricky, he's a guy I'm not worried about whatsoever. Um, yeah, right. Just because he's better uh, and he's better I think on the block. In those, knows, in knows kind of one to put his foot down and and one to one to kind of ease off.
1: Yeah, I think in general that that point you just made about uh, everyone just not kind of knowing where where their teammate wants the ball or where the, where a, Guy's going to cut to the rim or space out to the corner. That was a problem all night. I, I think Russell might have had two or three turnovers where he just passed the ball to the wrong spot. I think one was Culver, where Culver spaced to the corner instead of cutting. I think Anthony Edwards did the same thing, maybe with Culver again, where it's kind of, um, they're just not on the same wavelength. And that is so obviously a, a time spent kind of issue. Like they just haven't spent enough time with each other. They haven't. Um, Talk to each other enough about how they they want the ball and where they want the ball, and that's that's one thing that just doesn't really bother me, especially with Ricky, because you know we we know Ricky is a, is a savant with the ball in his hands, and he once he learns where those guys want want it, he he really adapts to it very quickly, and, and I think with that layman bucket that you just spoke of, that that was one where, where maybe earlier in the game they're a little bit disjointed, and then Ricky Ricky learns so fast and and he. He processes the game at a different speed to, to many other players in the league and, and once he kind of uh, caught up to date with that, then the next play he, he fed Lehman perfectly in stride on that little bounce pass drop off um, and that was to me probably one of the plays of the night. That was kind of the only one where where, where a huge smile came to my face I think after it just because it was really nice to have Ricky back and and those little reverse layups that he hit and he he didn't hit any of his, those little mid-range jumpers but but the work around the rim with those reverse layups and and then the three from the corner, I think that that really solid outing from Ricky. Yeah,
0: yeah. So kind of moving on now to Jake Lehman. Um, I, I thought that Lehman was probably the best player for the Timberwolves tonight. Uh, yeah, agreed. On, on both ends of the floor, uh, just just overall best two way player the Wolves had. He he worked his ass off on defense. You know, he was he was in all the right places at all the right times. He did a great job. Uh, contesting shots if he didn't block them. Um, he yeah. competed on the glass, I thought. you know, I think he did his part in, in trying to cut guys out and put a body on guys. Um, he only had two rebounds, but I feel like he had a much bigger impact on the Timberwolves rebounding than that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he moved a lot of guys out the way or at least got in the way so Towns could come in and grab a rebound. Cause I think right. Towns rebounded really really well tonight as well, and and part of that was because Layman was there giving him some help
0: yeah, cat had, cat had eight rebounds in just 22 minutes so I you know I think that that was that probably could have could have turned into a 14 15 game rebound for him uh, rebound game for him uh, but what I was most impressed with Jake Lemon was how confident he looked on offense you know he, he was in the right spots on offense he, he made two really nice step in threes um didn't even hesitate thinking about it um, and if he can do that um just, just confidently shoot open shots that he should take when he's Spacing the floor the right way—that's um, going to be a huge plus for them. You know, if they can—if they can kind of seamlessly put him and Wancho in and not miss anything offensively from behind the line, I think that's going to go a long way in just helping make sure the floor is can, is constantly spaced and just give enough give enough of the kind of wing initiators and 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 ball handlers enough space to get to the rim and attack, which is going to be big.
1: Yeah. And I think he, we speak about his cutting all the time. I think he, he cut really well tonight. He had obviously the one off Rubio. He had a few other, um, opportunities or just, or just nice cuts that, that he didn't get the ball that, that really kept the offense ticking along. I think he made a few good passes. And I think what's different to one show with him is that he can attack. The rim in transition with the ball in his hands and, and he's quite fast. He's not a great finisher around the rim, but he can put pressure on the rim and that opens up the floor for, for other guys. Uh, I think there was one where he, he drove in the semi-fast break and, and just got the ball up on the rim and, and Towns got the offensive rebound and put it back in. So, I, I was super impressed with Lehman tonight and I think in general it w- it probably made uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez's game look even worse than it was. And, and Hernan Gomez was you know, to put it bluntly, pretty awful tonight. And obviously, he's come off a very short in preseason. He's only been back with the team for for a few days. Uh, and he did have eight points and six rebounds, but it, it wasn't a good eight points and six rebounds. And I think that he he the problems that I that I see with show, obviously there's the, the defensive issues. But then but then on offense, I think he gets a lot of tunnel vision. I don't think he's a a good enough playmaker at all, or just a willing enough passer. And then if he's not hitting threes, I I I kind of just don't know what he does out there, right? Uh, and uh, and I think that tonight was kind of uh, a pretty a pretty big reality check for him, where, where if he doesn't play well in these next two three games, then his starting position might be supplanted for for the indefinable future. So um, yeah, it, it was it was a rough one for for Wancho.
0: Yeah, and Ryan Saunders said before the game that he doesn't he kind of alluded to the fact that he didn't think that the starters tonight were going to be the starters on opening night right? Um, and and he said because some guys didn't get here and didn't get here at the same time and had visa problems and, and that was obviously alluding to, to Wancho um, and, and so if he had that thought of, of Wancho coming in and playing and starting um, you know I'd, I think that he, he might start to reconsider that um, just because Jake Layman was Timberwolves' best, plus 11 tonight, um, and Wancho was yeah. minus 16, which was And a foul locket.
1: And a foul locket.
0: It. Yeah, and the reason why I keep referring to these plus minuses is because I really do feel like these plus minuses were indicative of, of kind of how the game went when these guys were on the floor. Like, it, it feels right. And I know yeah. with some plus minuses, it, it doesn't add up and doesn't feel right, but I, I do feel like tonight that showed and, and Wancho, his net rating tonight was a minus 44, uh, <laughs> which was second worst behind Ed Davis, who is minus 47. Um, and both of those guys were terrible and they played together pretty much, um, you know, for probably 90% of the minutes that they played together or that they played out there were, were probably with each other. Um, and neither of them were, were good at all, which I think is going to be a huge problem if, um, you know, if Minnesota you know, wants to have a, a functional front court, I think that that means that Wancho almost might have to start, um, just so that you know Layman can play with Ed Davis. But you know, who knows, man?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. I think, and it's, again, we just have to come back to the fact that it is one preseason game, and I've seen Twitter firing off takes about this game, and I think it's just way too early to make any. Sweeping declarations, but definitely a step in the right direction for Layman tonight in terms of how many minutes he'll get and whether he'll be a starter or not. I think either way, he's going to play minutes alongside Cat. He's going to play minutes alongside Rubio and and, and Russell. So yeah, I and think it... he's in, he's entrenched in the rotation. I think Layman, which we we kind of knew before tonight, but um, whether he he's going to start eating up Wancho's minutes, that's kind of something to keep an eye on I think one thing that maybe these 3 pre- three preseason games might actually determine
0: yeah and I think what tonight did a good job of showing is kind of the ups and the downs, or like the the like best case and worst case I guess of what can happen where like the best case is like Jake Lehman is awesome and the worst case is that Wancho is really bad like I, I think it kind of shows the duality of, of of how this team can play on any given night um, and, and does a good job of kind of getting people to think about both sides of the equation, Um, which I think is important. Like, I think that's probably better than if the Timberwolves were just awful in every aspect tonight or perfect in every aspect tonight. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. but, but my, my favorite part of the night, I think probably your favorite part of the night. um, The star of the game tonight was Jalen Noel. Um, He had, he had 22 points. Uh, twenty a uh, really efficient twenty-two points on seven of eleven shooting and, and four of seven from deep. Um, Outs, outscored the
1: drizzlies in the in the fourth quarter by himself. Yeah, twenty, uh, 20 to eighteen. 18. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I don't know if we before the game we expected to be sitting here talking about Jalen Noel um as, as the the star of the game and the guy who who maybe you know made the biggest case for himself as a, as a rotation player all of a sudden um. It was a surprise, but but man, it was good to see him just stepping into those those pick and roll three pointers and those you know little little mid range shots and just him running running pick and roll in general. I think he looked really comfortable in that point guard ish role. Uh, I know he played alongside Culver and alongside Ashton Hagens as well at times, but but he was definitively the point guard in those lineups. Like he was handling the ball at the top of the key. He was running pick and roll. He, he was surveying the court really well. I know he wasn't out there just dropping dimes, but I, I don't think that he was um, lacking anything in kind of in, in ball handling or court vision or just just setting up the offense. And, and man, what a game from, from Jalen. Yeah,
0: no, I think, I think the biggest thing with Jalen, and I think Dane did a good job of asking about it in the post-game press conference, was Dane kind of said, you know, for whatever reason, you've had this label as a guy who's kind of a catch-and-shoot guy. Uh, Rather than a dynamic ball handler who can, you know, create for himself off the dribble and and also run pick and roll and, and, you know, get in, get into the the mid range and kick it out to others or or hit guys on, on cuts or rolls and stuff like that. And Jalen just laughed and smiled and just said, you know, I don't know where that came from. You know, I've been a guy who's been able to create off the dribble and, and, you know, create my own shot and, and shoot in any type of way. My whole life, <laughs> and and said I showed it plenty at Washington, and said you know if anybody watched the G League, that's kind of what I did last year, and and I think I think Jalen really appreciated that question. Um, and, and tonight, I mean, I, I there's I don't think anybody improved their stock more tonight than Jalen Noel did, solely because you know a week ago we were talking about Jalen Noel as a guy who's probably going to get cut so that we can sign. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and then you know also sign Jordan McLaughlin, but I think tonight just went to show that if we can get a Jalen Noel that is making shots and is this dynamic off the dribble and is that competent defensively, I mean, what do we need? Yeah. J- what do we need Jordan McLaughlin for? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think the ceiling hard- is higher with Noel than it is with McLaughlin if they're both playing at their best.
1: Oh, for sure, and I think if you know Jmax playing hardball then, you know, he just got dealt a pretty bad hand tonight because that's the one thing he didn't want was for Noel to come in as that third string point guard and, and put on a show. And he's obviously on a team-friendly four-year deal or three years, including this one. Um, it's not something that improved J-Mac's stock or improved the likelihood of J-Mac coming back, I think, because you're not going to get this Jalen Noel every night for sure. And maybe in the regular season, he doesn't even play any minutes tonight. You can of just roll with Rubio, Russell and, and even Jarrett Holver at times. I think Jarrett Tolver might have spent a minute or two as the sole point guard as well. So maybe he was more of like the four string point guard tonight, but like he he, he showed his value and, and guys who can hit pull up threes are extremely valuable and, and like you said, like he's a shot creator. He's in the same mold as Anthony Edwards where if you, if he has the ball and has a, has a little bit of rain, um, then he can he can make it rain. <laughs> and and he that's that's what they let him do tonight, and, and maybe that was the show he needed to give the the front office. It was a show he needed to give the coaching staff, and, and maybe now he'll have a little bit more leeway to to make the mistakes without fear of getting cut or fear of getting you know relegated to the G League and never coming back up. So um, yeah, just in, in general, a really good night, and like you said, competed hard defensively. I know he noted in, in the post game that the defense was the one thing that he was kind of focusing on and and he knows that the shots will will fall and that he can he can create for himself, but he wanted to be better defensively and I thought he was pretty good there tonight and honestly almost won the game from Minnesota off his own back.
0: Yeah, which (laughs) I mean, which was incredible to think about. Um, and and yeah, I think I think Noel's gonna earn this because I mean Jalen Noel made three threes last year on twenty six attempts. And he made four tonight on seven attempts. I think for him it was just a matter <laughs> of seeing the damn ball go in. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing the way that he shoots. We see how confident he shoots. I mean, he sh- hell, he shot forty four percent on seven attempts last year in Iowa, and averaged twenty one points a game.
1: And they weren't like you said before. They weren't catch and shoot shots no, in Iowa. Were no, like, weren't. They, like he he was shooting tough shots and pull up threes, and, and what honestly one of the better G League shooting performances you know, that, that they've seen down there. Like that, that was, he was genuinely great as a shooter last season. And, and, you know, if 75% of that carries over, then, then he's certainly an NBA player.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and I hope he keeps getting opportunities because if the Timberwolves have a third point guard that can, or, or a guy that's comfortable playing off the ball too, that that can play and shoot like that. If the offense needs a boost, um, that could legitimately win games for the Timberwolves this year. I think yeah. if the Timberwolves can do more than tread water with their bench or, or kind of like keep building up enough levees to a point where they're not going to completely get flooded, um, that's going to be huge because I think this starting lineup is going to be consistently positive this year. Or, you know, yeah. the the starting lineup with Ricky Rubio instead of Russell is going to be consistently positive this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, like you said, if if you can supplement that that positive starting lineup with at least you know bench minutes that don't blow you leads, uh, um, and if Jalen Noel is a part of that, whether he plays spot minutes, whether he's just a guy who comes in in a situational basis, um, that that's huge, and if it means that you don't have to drop someone and and re sign McLaughlin, who we're we're both big fans of McLaughlin, like I think most Timberwood fans are after last season, but um, if if this means you can keep Horace Jefferson and you still get that third string point guard, I think that's a win for the front office. It's a win for the coaching staff, and just a win in general. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think great game from Noel. Pretty, pretty uh, understandable showing from the Wolves. I think that's about what I expected. Like I said, and um, I think that that you'll see the sloppiness and and the rustiness kind of wear off as we as we power through these three preseason games.
0: Yeah. I think the most important thing is just guys kind of understanding the way each other play. Uh, And and with that, I think we'll just come smarter decisions offensively uh, guys being less stagnant offensively and kind of knowing when to cut versus knowing when to keep the floor spaced. And, uh, and then just the communication factor, I think communicating as well as you possibly can is going to be important. And, uh, and, and it's the best way to help each other learn and, and, kind of help each other make or learn from mistakes and correct mistakes on the fly so the more the Timberwolves are able to do that I think I think they're going to be just fine and, and the positivity and, and the energy from from the whole entire team tonight I think was great um, and, and Ryan Saunders noted post game that that all all of Carl's teammates were tremendous and picking him up and, and being there for him and um, you know and just trying to do everything they could to, to help him feel comfortable out there. Because ah. you know, I, th- I think Britt Robson did a great job on Dane's podcast last week talking about how it's like, oh, it's almost like an injury that the grief is almost like an injury. Like it's, you know, it, it's not. It may not necessarily be a linear progression, and some nights it may bother him more than others. Um, but that, you know, and Ricky said this too, that, that we just got to do everything in our power to be there for him and support him, and uh, you know, and understand that that it's it's not going to. You know, it's not going to be linear. It's going to come and go, and that it's a day-by-day process. And you know, I think that that also is true for for the whole entire team. In that it's going to be a day-by-day process and learning one, learning, uh, learning more about each other and, and and how to play with one another. But but the positive energy, and it seems like all these guys love playing with one another, which is um, you know, which is a huge thing to build off of. So I, I'm excited for Monday.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll just add to that before we wrap it up that. That honestly, the wolves could have been got beaten by forty five points tonight, and I still would have loved it. Like, it <laughs> oh, <was> just, absolutely! <laughs> it was just good to watch basketball. It was good to watch Cat out there. It was good to watch him and Russell together. Even if we we did pick holes in some of the some of the plays together, like it it was just it was fun to watch Minnesota basketball. It's been so long, and um, we we find it finally feels like we're actually back now. We're not just building up to it. We're not we're not trying to come up with content to to produce and pick things out of nothing like now we're we're back and hopefully from here on out that the the season goes off without any hitches in it and and that's definitely not a guarantee but hopefully you know this is a season that that ends on a positive note and and builds into a a better 2021 than, than the year we've just been through so um, I'll let you go, Jack. So I've taken up more time than, than I told you I would. Um and I know you haven't slept for about six months. So um <laughs> I'll let you go. Thanks as usual, man, for coming on and um yeah, yeah, I always appreciate it too.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. it's always good to be with you and uh and hopefully we can get more of these uh these weekend night game recaps in uh, as we go along and uh and and we're back at it on Monday. We're back at it on Monday for uh for another round.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get something going next week. And obviously, it's hard when we're across the globe from each other to, to do it <laughs> during the week with, with work and stuff. But I think next week, we'll probably hit on both the games that are that are on, you know, the, the Memphis game and the Dallas preseason game. And, and we'll go into a few other fun things from there. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll work something out. But as I said, thank you, dude. And everyone else, thanks for listening. Um, like, rate, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. And um, I'll see all you guys next week.